if you have lost connection with who you are, you know, for decades, it's not something that can be fixed in, in a coffee break. So it also takes time. And you have to be willing to put in a lot of effort, you know, to face all these fears and, and hatred or feelings, whatever it is that you have suppressed. Good morning, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Richard Listens podcast, where we talk about all issues, performance to mental health, and where I get a chance to bring you some of the amazing individuals and professionals that I meet in my life on my journey as a way to keep my own career from going into burnout and keeping excitement going, uh, which is a key component these days. More and more burnout coming out of COVID, coming out of so many years of overdrive, of caring a lot, being worried a lot, having to take on way too many worries, way too many concerns and conflicts, even about our basic way of life. Today, my guest will be Ulrika Carlson, who went herself through an awakening and realization through mental health and life uh, onto becoming a yoga practitioner and teacher. Back in 2008, Ulrika was completely burnt out and deeply depressed. She went through a phase sleeping only 15 minutes per night. She woke up in complete panic one night, and then, which led to her launching her book and autobiography, 247, The Journey Home to My Heart. Today, Ulrika shares her experience embodied wisdom from her heart. With nearly 30 years of experience of traditional Western and Eastern holistic disciplines, Ulrika works with holistic health, personal development, and inner leadership. Her work as a spiritual teacher, international author, public speaker, yoga teacher, and therapist takes her around the globe with men and women of different ages from all fields of life. The essence of Ulrika's work is to increase consciousness and to guide you into your heart. Her upcoming book, The Sacred Soul, a divine evolution through time and space is also here to make a difference. Ulrika's gifts are to help you transform old karma into flow, freedom, and being present with what is. Her goal is to contribute to a beautiful, happier, and more conscious, loving world. Without further ado, I thank you in helping me to welcome Ulrika Carlson. Thank you for having me. Well, um, so I'm very much looking forward to our talk today. Thank you so much. And, you know, you're an accomplished author, a holistic practitioner, uh, wearing a lot of different hats. Uh, was this always who you were um, or did life suddenly throw you a curveball, which taught you you needed to go in a different direction? Good question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wish I could say that life had always, you know, been smooth as on a rail, but no, a couple of kerbals this direction. So, um, 2008, I was really, really depressed and burnt out and suicidal. So, I've had to deal with some really big life-changing things and also changing mindset and clearing out the, the traumas and accumulated stress and unresolved feelings that is stored you know, within our unconscious mind, subconscious mind, and they are all stored in the body. So for me, this has been a long journey to come back home. And my, my first book, my autobiography, is really 
writing about this journey home to my heart. So it's it's um, two forty seven a.m. the journey home to my heart, and I feel that you know I love to travel. I've been around the world, but the hardest and most important and profound journey that I've done is the one back home to myself and to my heart, going from my headspace and moving in down into my heart space. It's beautiful that you say that. We always say like the longest distance is, you know, from a man's head to his heart, right? I mean, sometimes really connecting these parts of ourselves and these messages are really hard. I was going to say my version of that book is 3.33 a.m. <laughs> there seems to be something about that time of the, the evening, it, morning. It is. That's, that's the time of the liver, actually. Uh, as, as a yogi, like there's a clock for every organ in the body that is being um, replenished and rejuvenized. And if, if you are having trouble in this area, you're going to notice it. So, so we had our time, and that's the uh, liver, which is a lot about anger. Ah, wow. Okay. I might need some sessions there. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, did your journey into becoming a holistic practitioner only start then with your own? Well, I mean, I can remember when I was a very young child that I had, you know, really hard feelings about myself and that I always try to be somebody else because now I know that I'm an intuitive empath, a highly sensitive person. But at the time, obviously, uh, this was in the beginning of the seven, 1970, I, I did not know that I was, you know, more sensitive than, than most of us. So I felt so much and I come from a culture here in Sweden where we are suppressing our strong emotions. We suppress even if we are too happy or too successful, we are suppressing it. So, and this was like suppressing other hard feelings like anger, self-hatred, um, self-disdain, self-contempt. So I didn't know it at the time, but as an empath, I was like an antenna sort of, you know, receiving everything from everybody all the time, 24-7. So I, I, I remember I was four years old when I was thinking that I was fat and ugly and useless. Wow. So it started, so it didn't start 2008. That was like sort of the, the peak or the, the turning point. But it started when I was a very young child. And then I've tried to sort of navigate my whole life with, with a lot of suppressed uh, emotions and, and unresolved trauma. And also just, you know, like a couple of years ago that I realized that I am as I said, this empath, not only feeling everything enhanced, but I also feel other feelings, other people's feelings. So uh, at the time when I was four years old, I started to have different strategies to suppress myself because I was always too happy or too, too, um, I was very playful. I was very sensitive. 
Uh, but I was always told that I, you know, that I was too much and that I needed to calm down, cool down, not to be so sensitive, not to feel so much. So I remember that I had starting to develop eating disorders when I was four years old, and that is very early. Yeah, so, so um, do you, was, the, was it the messaging? Like, does the culture just not know how to deal with those that feel intensely, or is there no... Or it's just, it all reinforces suppression. I know a lot of things. Like my mom, she was always talking about her weight. And my mom is really, really skinny. And, you know, sometimes she said, oh, I've gained like a kilo in weight. So and I, now I need to have an apple at, for lunch. And I became a big sister when I was four and a half years old. And I was very, very, you know... Uh, mature at the age so I was you know over responsible and taking care of everybody <laughs> it felt like all the time because I if I was taking care of people or if I was being kind then I got love so my love that I got was always conditioned which I think we have everywhere in our western societies that the love that we receive when we are kids is always conditioned like eat this then you can have the dessert or i love you if you finish your homework or you know whatever it's so love has been like a trade for almost everybody that i have encountered in my life you know all the people that i'm working with because we are not trained we haven't been practiced to feel the unconditional love because love always comes with some sort of a bargain like I do this for you and then you do this for me. And I think this, this conditioning, because it is a conditioning and programming uh, that really in an early age, you know, made me see myself with the glasses on that I was really ugly and that I was no good and that I was useless. And I, I mean, I'm four years old. So where does it come from? Obviously it comes from, you know, the environment, the culture, um, the family, the, the programmed beliefs that we are inheriting. So, uh, but I mean, obviously I didn't know that at the time. So I think there were so many things that contributed to my sort of symptoms that over time became, you know, like mental illness and, and suicidal. Wow. I mean, it's so incredibly painful and thank you for your, your transparency, you know, and this, you know, like variations of this are happening in so many homes, right? About our parents, their own relationship to their, their weight and, and, you know, people pleasing, right? Where we learn these messages, if we take care of others, right? Even in my profession, uh, you know, therapy and helping others, right? There's oftentimes we're pushed to constantly take on more and take on more and the systems are pushing uh, a lack of boundaries and a lack of ability to take care of yourself. You know, that, that reinforcing, treating more, seeing more. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's a really difficult time out there. So t talk to me more about, you know, your books and your work and, and how, your own journey into this depression led you out into messages of healing and health. So obviously it was a long journey. Like I'm 51 now and 
it started, uh, or I can recall that it started when I was four years old. I think it started even earlier. But I, before I start uh, to answer your question, Richard, I also want to add that I, I truly believe, like this is my, my perhaps limited beliefs, I don't know, but my perception from the way that we live our lives here in the Western societies is that we all have so much trauma responses that we are unaware of. And the traumas can be so subtle ones, so we're not even aware that it's a trauma. It can be that I come home, you know, from school and I'm all alone and there might be no food in the fridge or I come home and I have a drawing there and my parents are away working, so nobody have a time to to see at my drawing and you know to 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 give feedback or to to be visible because uh, we have been programmed over the centuries also to be busy and to be productive and to be efficient and to you know uh, in our societies we are we are celebrating sort of workaholics that that it's a good thing but that's a trauma response and that's uh, from a yogic perspective, a really bad imbalance in the root chakra. So uh, to come back to the answer, uh, it's going to be, I'm, I'm jumping back and forth. Go I'm ahead, thinking. go deeper inside. That's <laughs> yeah. Yes, the external is, yeah. is only a, you know, a trigger for the internal journey. It's very important what you're saying. There's a lot of clients call me and they say, oh, you deal with trauma? Well, I don't have a major trauma in my life. Like, Exactly. My life was pretty good, and and that can sometimes mean that we don't look right. But but what about your feelings? What about this sense that you're disconnected and alone? Where does it come from? Right? Exactly, exactly. And and most of us are also disaligned from our spirit and our soul, which mean that we are you know disconnected from higher perspectives. And and the Swedish word for for spirit is the breath and the tag. So the Swedish word for breath and spirit are the same, like, and it literally means to connect with the spirit. And when we have so much stress and when we are so stressed, it limits and restricts our breathing. And when our breathing is affected, it, you know, obviously it ripple on the water and it makes us more disconnected to spirit and soul. So for me, uh, like when I was a young age, I started to have eating disorders. And then at a very young age, I started to have sleeping disorders. It started that I, you know, that I couldn't relax in the evening when I was about to fall asleep. And then over the years, I sort of adapted to that. And then I started to wake up early at nights. And then uh, I adapted to that. And I woke up many times per night and I could never go back to sleep. So it, you know, it sort of was an ongoing process for, you know, decades until I got so sick. So I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't live anymore. And so that's the title of the book, 2.47 AM, A Journey Home to My Heart, because 2.47 AM was the time of the night that I woke up for many years after only 15 minutes of sleep mm. and here's the thing like my strategies in my life have been to be the good girl and this is also something that we are enhancing in the western societies to be the good girl or the good guy to be you know 
to have high grades or to be very successful or whatever. But that is also actually a trauma response because for me, uh, I'm talking both from my own experience, uh, but I'm also talking from my professional experience that uh, the, the less I slept, the more things I did. Like I was always on the move, on the go, always, you know, wobbling between many projects. I exercised heavily. I went to the gym. I was a personal trainer. So I went to the gym like, you know, six times a week. Um, so I always had, I was always moving, whether it was physically or mentally. I was never really present, right? Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of strategies over the years, like I was partying a lot. And I'm sure that at, at the time I was, you know, an alcoholic as well. Uh, I've used food strategies to, to suppress emotions. So sex, work, I've pretty much, you know, just jumped from different strategies and it came to that point where it was that either, you know, I just die. I die. And that at the time I had two really, really small children. So if, if I was going to die, then I was of no use to nobody, right? Or I needed, to, I needed to review my life and start over and start to be more of me, who I truly am at the soul level, not to be uh, flexible or adjustable in a society that is totally, sorry for the world, but fucked up, uh, but to be who I truly am at, at the core level, at the soul level. So my journey started um, 2008, and it's been a very bumpy ride back home to who I am because if you have lost connection with who you are you know for decades it's not something that can be fixed or you know in, in a coffee break so it also takes time and you have to be willing to put in a lot of effort you know to face all these fears and, and hatred or feelings whatever it is that you have suppressed so I have literally been forced to feel it all because if I am not even aware of what it is that I have in my unconscious mind how can I change it so the first step to transformation is to become aware is to become conscious right because it's only if I shed the light of the consciousness on it that I'm able to see it and then I can change it and transform were you, it. Were you able to get there on your own or did you have a, a spiritual teacher? Like what, any kind of witness that, that led you to some sort of pathway? Because it can be really hard, like you said, when the culture you're in, the society you're in doesn't even validate what's happening. Yeah. And reinforces it. It's really hard to say. <laughs> it is. Of course, I've had like lifelines along the way. Uh, very good therapist. But, but we have to remember that, you know, happiness is an inside job. So I've done the, the job myself. I've, I've turned every stone. I've felt every fear. I've transformed everything that I've ever 
felt and suppressed that I didn't even most conscious of at the time that I was suppressing. So it started when I, 2.47 a.m., and the things that I write also in that book is that, so my, I had a baby girl. She was only a couple of months, and my son was two at the time, and I was married. And uh, I woke up 2.47 a.m. every night after 15 minutes of sleep. And I woke up every night that I was being murdered. I was being slaughtered and tortured every night. And so I wake up 2.47, my heart is pounding. I have this taste of stale blood in my mouth. I'm all sweaty, uh, running around uh, in my dreams, trying to escape these horrible nightmares. And then I wake up with silent screams every night. And I'm, you know, very confused. I don't know where I am. I, I, and then I see, you know, the alarm clock, 2.47 a.m. So I know that I'm at home in bed. My husband is next to me, but he never knew how depressed and exhausted I was because I, I, I never told him that I was suicidal. So I uh, just told him that I needed to go away because I was so tired. I was sensitive from lights and from sounds. So I, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with anything. And I was, my nervous system was so much on fire all the time. So I was like a junkie. And so I just told him that I needed to go away. And I left uh, to my parents' cabin in the archipelago and it was winter time. It was snowing and I have this feeling inside that something is about to burst like a volcano that is about to have its eruption. And I was so scared because I didn't know what it was. And so I'm, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go for, you know, long walk, burning calories, because then I know that, you know, it usually uh, managed to shift. So I'm out there walking and then I start to feel this thing within me sort of rising and I'm scared as shit because as I don't know what it is. And then all of a sudden it's like I hear a snap and I have this massive, massive pain in my heart. It's like an, a knife, a, a jabber through my heart. And so I'm falling down into the snow. And I'm lying there in fetus position, holding my heart uh, because I think that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die from a heart attack. I'm going to, you know, explode in, in millions of pieces. And then all of a sudden I hear, it feels like, you know, from, from a distant away, I hear these really weird noises, like screams and howlings. It's like a dying animal. And then I realized that these sounds are from me, deep inside of me, from places that I didn't even know existed. So I'm lying there at the whole time. My, my heart is, you know, so painful. So I'm lying there in fetus position, screaming, howling, growling, grunting, and then I'm crying. It's like a flood and I can't stop it. And I'm so terrified because I, I feel that I'm going to die there in the snow and nobody knows where I am. And so I'm lying there, what turns out to be for hours, because when I come back to my senses, it's pitch black. 
And then I realized for the first time in my whole life that it's all silence. And the best way that I can describe it is that I believe that it was my connection to source and my soul. It was like a silence in expansion. And for the first night, for decades, you know, I didn't sleep, but I didn't have nightmares. And I truly felt that this was something life-changing. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that this, this was profound for me. And so did you later get help to help make sense of this? Or, or how did you end up turning this kind of personal pain and kind of out-of-body experience, in-body, out-of-body, like, uh, into becoming a healer? So I realized that I've always been a healer because people have always feel, feel good when they've been around me. And um, as an empath, you have so much empathy for, you know, for everybody, for, for children, for animals, for our bee planet and for everybody. So, uh, and this, this vast feeling of empathy and love that for me is true healing if you, you know, if you are exposed to it or if you expose other to it. So it is just fairly recently that I've, you know, started to have pure sort of healing classes uh, because I've always sort of coveted up in, in yoga or like classes or educations or meditation. So I've just pretty recently started to, to name what I do as healing because Healing for me has been something so sort of sacred and big. And, and I, had, I had a sort of limited view on how healing would look like. Like, you know, hands on healing, but the healing that I can do is go, can go through sort of screens and, and from, from long distances. For, for a couple of years ago, I was in an education and and the, the teacher, she was so worried about her mom in South Africa because her mom was old and she had got a, gotten something with her lungs and she was off to, to the emergency and she was here in Sweden holding this education. So she was so worried about her mom. And then she heard what I was doing and she said, okay, can you, can you sort of help my mom? And I said, well, I can try. And so I go home that night and I just, I don't even know the mom's name. I'm just thinking of my teacher and her mom. And so I'm just sitting there connected to my heart and sitting there working in an energy beyond words. Mm -hmm. And then I come back in the morning and, and she grabs me by the arm and she says, so did you do something yesterday? And like, what time did you do it? And I said, yeah, I did something. I don't know what I did, but I did something. And it was like six o'clock because she said, okay, so quarter past six, um, they turned off the machines for my mom and, you know, she had recovered really quickly and they couldn't really explain why. And so, so she was signed out of the hospital and I was like, hmm, <laughs> maybe, or maybe not. I had something to do with it, but, uh, but it was it was an interesting coincidence, nevertheless. So um, 
that's what I find is so interesting that you can transmit through time and space because it, you know, the work you can do is beyond words. That's right. So this must give you like you're getting messages along the way that you, you know you're a healer, but that you can actually bring this gift that you always knew you kind of had, but wasn't validated. Now you can bring it into the field of your relationships. Exactly. But then here's the thing that I've always, uh, as I said, doubted myself so much. And that's why I got so sick in the first place that I had so much self-doubts and these self-doubts has turned into, you know, hatred and, and a lot of um, mistrust or distrust in myself and also in others. So, and, and here's the thing, Richard, I think that we all have so many gifts, but most of us are so used to ourselves. So we don't see the things that we have as gifts. We just take them for granted, if you know what I'm saying. So it's only when, you know, maybe when somebody is saying to you like, wow, you, you, you have these big healing abilities. And then you're like, wow, do I? Because if you have seen yourself with the glasses that you're no good or that you're not, you know, worthy or that you have to work hard or whatever it is, limited beliefs that, that you have. And I had them all. Yeah. So about trusting the gifts, I think also sometimes you need to be mirrored from the outside world to be able to see it for yourself. Because I've always had premonitions also, and I didn't know it was premonitions. People were telling me that it was only in my own mind or that I was making things up or, you know, um, it was only me. So if you hear this many times or often then you obviously obviously or at least i started to doubt myself so i actually had premonitions of what is going on in the world today even before it happened and i've had premonitions of friends having children and and a lot of these stuff things that you can't really explain like i'm on a yoga trip this is many years ago and i know that on this plane is a client of mine that is going to join me for this yoga trip. I only had her name. I'd never seen her before because she came from a, a travel agency. But somebody's passing through me in the aisle and I'm just, I, I just know that, okay, this is the lady that is going to join me for this yoga retreat. Uh, she works as a nurse and she has no children. And then it turned out that she was going to join the yoga retreat and like day five, we're out walking and I'm walking next to her. And, and then she tells me that, yeah, I work as a nurse in Norway and I don't have any children. And it's like, oh my God, how, how can we know these things? Uh, so these gifts, we all have them. It's just that we have so much, sorry, but so much bullshit and conditioned programs layered upon layers stuck on you know like like a cake over all our gifts so we have to remove layer after layer after layer to be able to found to, to see and to to be who we are and to use our gifts the way they're used they the way they are meant to be used because everything can be used and abused right yeah, yeah, well, yeah, any power, any spiritual gift, 
Yeah. Right. You know, I, I know we don't have a lot of time today, but I mean, was there something that finally gave you validation around this? I mean, healers and, and you know, shamans, right? They've been for generations, you know, ancestral healing and these types of practices have gone on for thousands of years, but if you're in a particular society, like you said, where the belief system and the mode of operation is just about thinking and doing, it's like we don't even know that that's a possibility that are these are gifts, right? They're very much judged or rejected or, like you said, told that you are uh, something wrong with you for being sensitive, even that emotions are even viewed in a lot of western cultures you know not productive and i spent a lot of my sessions just talking about but what do you feel right it's like it, there's not even a permission to feel and there hasn't been exactly exactly and even if you ask how do you feel most people don't know because there's so much in their head yeah so they're more like feeling oh, or I, what do you I, I, I think yeah. i'm angry or i i think <laughs> So that, that is like the mind uh, expressing the emotions. And that's not the same as letting the body express the emotions. So what was the question again? Sorry. <laughs> well, the question is what, what, you know, did you have, what finally lets you feel safe enough within yourself, I guess, to write these books, to bring these teachings out? What helped you to trust yourself? I truly believe that, you know, my own journey when I was, you know, below rock bottom, hitting rock bottom, and everything that I have done, my quest for inner peace, all the educations that I've been taking, all the silent retreats, all the healing I've done with others, uh, therapy, everything that I've done, I have sort of made a modality of and what healed me i i since i know obviously it's working you know i could be buried you know 14 years ago if but i'm here so obviously i know that the things that i'm doing is working so i'm just doing what i've what i've done to myself to heal that's what i i'm giving to somebody else and uh, for me when I was when I was really really sick and depressed and suicidal, I was watching Oprah Winfrey, and at the time somebody was saying like one sentence, and I didn't commit suicide that day because that sentence really somehow resonated with me, even though that I didn't know it resonated with me. And so that's what I like to be on podcasts because if I only say like one word or one sentence that is resonating through time and space to you out there and maybe you don't commit suicide so then the circle is sort of closed and then I've paid back my my karma really and I I do karma clearings also in a way to allow people heal their traumatized souls because when the soul is traumatized and everything is stored within the body I mean where do you begin if you're not even aware on what's what. And these are sessions, are they active by the practitioner or do you um, like meditate for them? Uh, can you do it at a distance? 
the karma clearings I always do at the distance. So I enter their Akashic library and the Akashic library is like the Google for the soul. Everything that has ever existed, everything that will ever exist uh, for each and every individual and plant and sentient being on the planet is stored within the Akashic record. So you have your own Akashic record and I have mine and they are all entangled in one giant database, energetic database. So this I can do uh, at a distance, but when I'm working on sort of stress management, I can work on one-on-one -on -one or in groups where I, where I use the body as a tool because if, if everything is stored within the body, then I need to use the body as the tool to get access to these deep traumas or wounds or suppressed emotions or whatever we like to call them. So in my one-to-one -one sessions or my courses or classes, I also work with the body as a tool to reconnect on a deeper level. And sometimes I can work, you know, like doing it's called de-armoring where you press certain points and then you can some, Oh, maybe somebody has a lot of grief stored in their stomach. So if I press on certain points and then they can experience this grief again, because my true belief and after exploring these for like three decades in my own journey is that if I have stored, say, uh, fears or grief, then I need to face it as fears or grief. I can't, I can't face it as being happy or joyful or positive thinking or making a lot of affirmations. If I have a lot of fears, then I need to feel the fears to transform them. If I have a lot of grief, I have to allow the grief to sort of move through me, move through my body so I can heal the grief. Again, when I put the light of the consciousness on it, then it's being transformed. Well, it's a really profound tool what you're talking about, yeah. It is, and it's so efficient. And this is also how I think that I'm, you know, uh, I'm helping myself as well as I'm helping others and, and co-creating a better world because I can only have access to my inner light as much as I have access to my inner darkness. And the more of my inner darkness I can transform, the more access I have to my inner light. Because otherwise it's only sort of mental spirituality or positive thinking or it's not rooted within you. So Yeah, yeah. it's really profound what you're saying and and you know, just a quick plug on my new book, The Zero Method, that came from uh, being a psychologist who was transferred overnight down to Skid Row, which is where we have one of the largest homeless populations in the United States. Uh, and without my choice, uh, right, to kind of a demotion, <laughs> loss of salary, loss of status. And, and it was, but it was in that place of darkness, of pain, of depression, where, yeah, like you said, every day it was, how can I make a difference? If I could sign one piece of paper that gave someone a bus pass to get them around, if I could say one, if I could smile at one person, if I could, right, if I could, uh, you know, 
help in any way possible. It was it was all about like how can I find some small bit of value to give back and promote making somebody else's days better. And that simplicity was incredibly liberating. Exactly. And even if I can only guide or help one person and this person is me, wherever I am, wherever well, that's I what we come. lose, right? As yeah. practitioners that we're really in it to help ourselves. So if we're not doing things to keep training, learning, growing, not just intellectually, exactly. <laughs> but improving my self-care, you know, looking at, you know, wait, you know, I'm losing touch with fun. I'm losing touch with exploration. <laughs> exactly. So if I can only like aid one person and this person is me, then in itself, it's going to have ripple effects everywhere I go, everywhere, you know, whoever I meet. So it would be like rings on the water. And I also want to add like the word depressed. If you think about it, it can also be like deep rest. Like you and your soul and your body and your whole being are in a deep rest. Mm. <laughs> so what needs to happen in your deep rest? Do you need to get a, a woken up? <laughs> Sorry? Do you need to wake up from that deep rest or do you need to get some deep insight in that place? Yeah, I think you have to allow yourself to have the deep rest and to to allow all all sorts of feelings and emotions to move through you since emotions is emotions which is energy in motion that means that energy emotions emotions are meant to just move through but we in the western societies we don't allow them so we you know we try to suppress them we try to surpass them we try to ignore them we try to work harder or run faster or earn more money or whatever uh, but it's all just like a bypass a spiritual bypass because if you want to be truly spiritual the answers is within you yeah well Ulrika, it's a real gift speaking with you maybe let our listeners know about your book, uh, how they can get it upcoming, uh, the release, and, and how they can book sessions with you or anything uh, like that, where you can help them with some of the tools we've talked about today. Thank you, Richard. So um, there's an upcoming book that is called The Sacred Soul, The Divine Evolution Through Time and Space. And uh, it's being published on Amazon, so you can find it there. And if you want to have like a karma clearing or healing or anything from me personally, it's my website is www.ulliscarlson.com. That is U-L-L-I-S-K-A-R-L-S-O-N.com. That's perfect. And I'll have all those uh, websites and social media. Um in the tagline of the show and we'll be promoting it. And I want to give you just a chance to say the title of that book again, so that you're telling it to us from present Ulrika, not the Ulrika who was told she couldn't be an author, but the healer who's in front of me today. <laughs> I want to make sure everyone hears it. They can't blame it on zoom audio because what you're talking about is, is very profound. But I know so many of my clients, my own family members, 
probably myself, uh, you know, about really doing active cleansing and what it could mean for us. Yes, thank you. So, yeah, the book is The Sacred Soul, a divine evolution through time and space. And that is for you who is ready to, to heal on a soul level and to be who you are. So she's here to make a difference, this book. It's incredible. And you don't have to give up your spiritual path or previous learning, but maybe step outside of it a little bit. Open up your heart, you know, to feeling, to awakening. Maybe it's some like of these that. dark emotions, maybe some of these painful emotions the last two years are there for a reason, but but they need to be felt, right? We can only keep it together, quote unquote, for so long uh, to care for others, to care for families, right? At some point, we have to put ourselves first, first and foremost, especially as healers. Exactly. And I think it goes every, every time because it's like this old cliche, you know, like when you're flying and if there's an accident, you need to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Because if I'm, you know, passed out, how can I help anybody? How can I help my children? So the biggest gift that we can give to the world is by investing in ourselves and healing ourselves. Because each soul, each individual, their energetic frequency transmits out into the collective consciousness. So if, if I have a low state of consciousness, then that's transmitting out and contributing to the low consciousness that we see going on in the world today. If I have a higher state of consciousness and you get access to higher consciousness when you have transformed these stored feelings and emotions within your body. So with a higher state of consciousness, that's what you're emitting and sending out. And that's also what you're contributing to in the collective consciousness. So every soul's individual healing journey counts and you are important. Mm. Amazing. And and clients can reach out and book uh, cleansings and different kind of processes with you on your website? Yeah, it's not updated. Uh, I'm not so good at tech stuff. I'm more creative and intuitive and <laughs> know the flow. But, but it's there and there's certain pods there and at least they're, you know, my email address so they can connect with me. But um Yes, please connect with me. And I just want to say thank you, Richard, for having me. And thank you for listening. And if only one sentence here, what I've said is resonating with you, then I've paid back a bit of my karma. And also we are together contributing to collective consciousness. Thank you so much. It's an honor. And uh, thanks to whatever uh, yeah, forces that, can connect us across the globe, across time zones. Amazing. And I hope, I hope tonight uh, that you get deep rest <laughs> and the knowledge that, that you are, you know, very compassionate, even in your interaction with other professionals and really uh, your desire uh, to be out there is, is felt. Thank you. Thank you so much, Richard. And, um, I also want to add, I know we're probably over time, but these years that we are in now, numerologically speaking, these are so important because it's about opening the heart. So we always, as, as 
you know, free souls, sovereign souls, we have a choice to, we have a free will. Mm. And we have a free will and nobody can tell us what to do if we don't give consent. So these times that we are in, it's for a global awakening. It's for the rising of a collective consciousness. So we have the opportunity to transform our individual and collective fears into more consciousness and more love and more empathy and compassion for each other and for oneself and for this planet. So this is actually very inspiring and interesting times. And the outer triggers uh, how we react, act, navigate, and expand. It's beautiful what you're saying, because everything, like the people you meet, the conversations you have, and hopefully with this medium, with audio, that if you're in a podcast and you hear something and you're feeling depressed, sad, right? You just, that maybe this is the spark that gets you thinking exactly. a little bit differently. And, and maybe you do it for yourself, most importantly for yourself, but even just engaging in this level of operating or being, those around you will feel it energetically. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And well, thank you again, uh, Ulrika. Uh, thank you. Parting words. It all starts with you, and it starts with your breath. And your energetic signature is unique and it's important so Beautiful. please invest in yourself so you also can contribute to the world that we want to have and that we want to see thank you terrific well thank you for joining us listeners keep your eyes out the sacred soul divine evolution through time and space available coming up in a week or so how can they find it on your website uh, they will find it on my website they will find it on amazon.com and if they want to have their signed copy sent all the way from sweden <laughs> uh, they can just connect with me from my website uliskalsson.com wow amazing okay maybe we'll mail each other signed copies across the globe and they'll pass each other yeah. <laughs> we'll see whose mail carrier system is is more delayed. We'll see. <laughs> Probably ours. We, we, we call them um, um, the post lottery. It's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. And thanks for this heartfelt conversation. Bye. Well, that was a true joy being with a healer, someone who, um, who had been through the own or her dark night of the soul, uh, who had she herself been pushed to the brinks of depression and um, deep emotional distress and learned how to get into karma, flow, freedom, and uh, being present through being a healer and a conscious contributor in the world. I hope you all will take a look at uh, her new book, The Sacred Soul, A Divine Evolution Through Time and Space. And I thank all of you for supporting, listening, and being a part of my life and this show. Please pick up your copy of my book, The Zero Method, Awaken the Hero Within. And if you or someone you know needs help, please reach out through Instagram or my website, richardlistens.com. It's my pleasure to be with you today. This is Richard, and I'm out. <laughs>